Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. All right, my next guest today is uh, Jonathan Michaels, and Jonathan is joining us from MLG Attorneys at Law. He is a, a super lawyer. No, really, he is. He's been voted a super lawyer, and uh, he's got an achievement he's going to talk a little bit about. We're going to talk about uh, the firm and what they do. I know he's very busy. I really appreciate him coming on to the show. Uh, he's got some incredible cases that he's been working on. But we're going to talk about uh, a milestone that he just hit. So let's get into it. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you. Good morning. Very nice to uh, be chatting with you this morning. Same here. Same here. Um, before we get into uh, what uh, your, your milestone and uh, talking about what you do on a daily basis, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Sure. So I, I'm an automotive attorney. Uh, I've been practicing here in Southern California for 23 years. Uh, we specialize in representing people all throughout the automotive sector. So we represent a lot of car dealers, uh, car collectors, a lot of consumers and claims against manufacturers, uh, high-performance sports um, uh, shops, and really everything automotive. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun for us. Sounds like a fun field. You know, there's uh, certainly a lot of cars... Uh... Uh, driving around Southern California more than ever, it seems like, with all the full employment. So uh, uh, it sounds like you're always busy. You've always got something going on. But somehow you've you figured out a way to write, as I understand it, 100, 100 articles for the Daily Journal. Can you tell us a little bit about that achievement and, and what the articles were about, and uh, and uh, how did you find time to do that? You know, it's it's funny. Um, so the Los Angeles Daily Journal, in the legal industry, it's essentially the Wall Street Journal. It's it's the Bible that that all the attorneys and judges go to. And boy, it's it's hard to believe, but it's been about eight years. Um, I had a case against Toyota back in the 2010 time frame. If you recall, there was that sudden acceleration issue, and I got oh, yeah. contacted by the editor uh, of the Daily Journal back then, and. He asked me to write an article about what was happening with the Toyota uh, case. And so I, I was very happy to do it. Uh, just being in the Daily Journal is kind of a, a nice feather in your cap. And uh, sure. I got a call about three months later from the editor. He said, boy, we had a great uh, response to the article. Would you like to write another one? And I said, absolutely. Uh, I said, what do you want me to write about? He says, well, you know, just come up with a topic that you think would be interesting. And, and so I did. And that has turned into, I have literally written an article for the Daily Journal every month since 2011. It's, it's, wow. it's hard to believe. <laughs> I've never missed a month. Uh, last month was my 100th article. Um, it's the, uh, I'm the most um, 
you know, a celebrated uh, contributor to the Daily Journal and the history of the newspaper, and has been around since 1880, if you can believe that. That's incredible. I mean, when you think about it, you're, when you're, I know when you've got your head down and you're writing the next article, you're probably not thinking, wow, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've done a lot for these. How many have I done exactly? So it, it, it's 100 articles is quite a feat. And they've, they've just been about uh, current events, mainly, current situations? They are, yes. They are. So they're, they're all automotive. Uh, it's actually a bit of a tall order, you know, if you think about it. So they're all automotive. They're all legal. They all have to be timely and topical, and they have to be interesting. Um, and, you know, so to find 100 instances of that is, uh, has been, at times, been a little challenging. Like, gosh, what am I going to write about this month? And, um, you know, it actually all turns out really nice. And the high, they go to, you know, a lot of people read the articles. And the highest compliment for me mm-hmm. is certainly people who are in the automotive industry might find it to be interesting. But the highest compliment for me is the number of people that, uh, that compliment me on the articles who don't care at, about cars whatsoever. They just found it to be a really interesting <laughs> right. article. That, that's, that's, yeah. To me, that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, that's that's really terrific. Well, I was going to say, I mean, for most people, cars, are, we, you know, most people, they may not be car aficionados, but they're, it's an interesting topic. It can be, and of course, the, there's been so many changes in in what people are trying to vision as our our automobile of the future, and maybe trying things that that just didn't work out. So, speaking about that. Let's talk about Tesla. <laughs> That's a current sure. event. Um, have you written many articles about the uh, Tesla? How many would you say in the last two years have been about something going on with Tesla? You know, I write a lot about Tesla, um, in part because they're very newsworthy, in part because it's it's innovation, it's interesting. Uh, there's just there's a lot to write about Tesla. So I've probably written, oh boy, in, in total maybe ten or fifteen articles about Tesla, maybe ten. Uh, in the last two years, probably four or so. Uh, this month, so the September, I actually wrote an article about Tesla as well. And uh, my view of Tesla is, is actually mixed. I applaud them for their, their innovation. They're really the only all-electric car company out there. And it's, if you look at what they've done, it's really miraculous. You know, they have a market cap of about $50 billion, which is a larger market cap than Ford and nearly as much as General Motors. Um, and, you know, contrary to those cars who make, you know, General Motors makes 10 million cars a year, you know, Tesla makes 100,000 cars, 50,000 cars a year, uh, and it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's a financial disaster, but yet it still has this enormous brand value uh, and a ridiculous market cap. So it's really quite interesting uh, what's happening with that company. Yeah, it's just got that that feeling that we're you know that we're uh, we're dancing with the future with Tesla. You know, it's I think that's what's what's interesting. And of course, uh, Elon Musk. Who can who can uh, not be interested in what that guy's got going on? Because it's always something incredibly fascinating and and relevant and looking out for the the future. You know, giving us hope for uh, some future based project. So even if he's on the bleeding edge. It's always fascinating. So it seems like lately we've been hearing a lot about um, recalls with different vehicles and and things. Are things just just being built too quickly? And what's going on? So back in 2014, you may recall there was a big scandal. Uh, we were actually involved in a class action case with this, 
uh, where General Motors, it had, it had come to light that General Motors had been concealing a, a deadly defect in one of its vehicles for 13 years. Uh, it came to light that they had known about this, and they were concealing it. And it, uh, what erupted from that was just a flurry of recalls from all manufacturers. Uh, General Motors had a serious problem with the federal government for concealing it. And uh, subsequent to that, it has just been recall after recall after recall. Um, and it, what, what's, what's interesting is it really demonstrates that the manufacturers have known about some of these defects and have just tried to avoid making a recall at all costs because it's terribly expensive to do so. Uh, so what we have seen is just the, the amount of malfeasance from these manufacturers with these vehicles is really uh, it's amazing. And, and the, you know, we deal with, with the fallout of this. We deal with a lot of claims from consumers against manufacturers for things that have happened that have been really horrific, uh, very, very heartbreaking. And uh, I'm happy to see that we have a, a, a flurry of recalls. But the truth of the matter is our recall system is really pretty broken, and it needs to be severely overhauled. It was created in the 60s, and there really hasn't been a change to it uh, since that time. So we're, we're in need of a major overhaul to our recall system and to have penalties for failure to, to recall cars. Right now, there's really not much of a penalty if you fail to do it other than civil litigation. Wow. Well, that's, that's, uh, it's interesting because especially if cars, as cars have gotten uh, to more and more technology-based, it seems like, um, there, are, there are certain things that we need, we need cars to do effectively and efficiently. And uh, one of those things that we hear a lot more, it seems like, uh, about is airbags. And uh, that's one of those, you know, we can tell if the brakes aren't, you know, aren't working, but we can't tell until it's too late if the airbags are working. Do airbags work as well as we think they do? Virtually every car owner would be shocked out of their skin if they knew how poorly airbags actually perform. Uh, this is no exaggeration. We probably get two to three phone calls a day, every day, from someone who's in a severe accident, like a head-on collision, a severe accident where the airbags didn't deploy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really shocking. You would think that, you know, you would hear about these every once in a while. Uh, it, it's, it is so, the, the volume of, of traffic that we get for the failure of airbags to deploy, uh, it's really incredible. And then the other problem is sort of the flip of that, is that they deploy, but they deploy incorrectly. Sometimes they'll only half deploy, but other times they'll deploy, and the mechanism that holds the airbag will explode, explode during the deployment and actually shoot shrapnel into the, into the driver's face. Um, so, you know, airbags, it's a wonderful, wonderful idea when they work correctly. And I think most consumers, myself included, you drive around thinking that you have a safety mechanism that's going to support you in the event of a, of a collision. Uh, and that's not, that's not always the case. People would be really surprised to see the number of airbag failures. It's 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 really shocking. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, concerned because you you think, well, I I know I can test my seatbelt. I can see if my seatbelt's working. But how the heck would you be able to to know before it's too late for airbags? And it seems like we're getting into more and more airbags in the seatbelts, airbags on the passenger side, airbags you know everywhere on the side of the car. Sure. Uh, so if the technology is failing, what's being done about it? And, and, and nothing. And you really don't know about it. It's, it's virtually impossible to detect. And let's say you, go, you buy a new car. 
you take your car in for regular service every six months, every 12 months, you know, as it's as it's scheduled, and you'll get a complete clean bill of health from the dealership that everything in your car is tipped up. And that's not necessarily true because there's no they don't check the airbag system whatsoever. So you'd be surprised to learn uh, that you might have a problem. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you a quick uh, situation that we're involved in right now. We have a fatality, a uh, tragic story. It's a 39-year-old man who got into a head-on collision, left behind a young wife and two young children, and he died uh, in the accident, head-on collision going uh, 40 miles an hour. And the reason he died is because the airbag didn't deploy. Well, as it turns out, this is a brand-new vehicle. Uh, they forgot to put the airbag in the steering wheel. Oh, no. It's just it's not crazy. there. Not there. Brand-new car, wow. no airbag in the steering wheel. And then, which leads me to another thing. One thing that we've discovered that would surprise probably most people, we have now learned that manufacturers actually have a separate run of vehicles for fleet sales, which really means car rental companies, where there's an mm-hmm. airbag delete. So they're manufacturing, they have a special run of vehicles for the fleet sales for rental companies, essentially, where the airbags are taken out and there's a lesser charge for the rental company. And uh, it was surprising to learn that they, there's a whole program for this, and it's not small. Can a, can a consumer request that their airbag be tested in some way? Well, I mean, how do you I, test it besides deploying it, right? So, right. Um, or, 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 the answer or is try, not. Yeah. No, not really. Not, not really. You, 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 you don't have as a as a vehicle owner. You, you can't really go to your your authorized uh, uh, manufacturer, the authorized dealership, and have your airbag tested. They don't really have the the capability to do that. There are experts, and we use them all the time in our litigation, uh, who are experts for airbags, and they could tell you for certain whether the airbag is proper or not, whether to deploy or not. But no one's really going to do that. You're really going on blind faith that it's going to work correctly and that if there's a a defect, that the manufacturers will, in fact, recall the vehicle, uh, which they don't always do. Uh, So it's a shocking shocking revelation, at least it was to me, uh, at how how prevalent the problem is. Yeah, that is a tough one to to think about because we all we all assume certain uh, minimums in our safety with with vehicles, and one of those is that if we're in a serious accident, that airbag's going to deploy and and help us from colliding with the steering wheel or or worse. Um, so, what else do you do you see? I mean, there's a lot of things going on with technology and vehicles, and you know, there's discussions about whether or not it's going to be the future is that that police will be able to kill a car with a kill switch of some kind because some of the technology is showing that you can, it can be hacked. What are some of the other uh, futuristic type of issues that, that are on your horizon? I'd love to hear your perspective. Well, there's, I, there's, there's a couple things that we expect. One is uh, there's going to be a lot of battery advancement in the next five or ten years uh, that's going to really change the landscape of, of, of vehicle manufacturing. The internal combustion engine won't go away completely, but the the Teslas of the world uh, are really going to be um, on fertile ground. It's going to be the the you know the wild wild west with them being able to advance that technology. And then similarly, at the same time, we have a real issue with with data collection and and privacy concerns. Um, you know, as these cars become much more connected, connected with manufacturers and connected to each other. There, there starts to creep in issues of 
privacy. So, for instance, the manufacturers now can track where you're going on a regular basis, and they, they can sell that information. So let's say that you, um, uh, on a weekly basis, you might travel to Walgreens or Starbucks. Well, Walgreens might have an interest in knowing which customers are going to their to their locations on a regular basis and might be interested in buying that information so they can now solicit information to the to the consumers. So it's it's really a lot of um, privacy concerns that uh, and there's no regulation for this to, uh, currently because this hasn't you know, hasn't been an issue yeah. as of yet. But yeah. it will be. Yeah. And um and so it's there's no no one really knows how that's going to be handled. Um, and you know, hand in glove with that are the issues of security and hacking. Um, you know, it, certainly you can see how computer systems are broken into. It happens all the time. With I mean, there's you know, major major company after major company that have had security breaches. Well, what would happen if if some terrorists were to do a security breach on, let's say, every new Nissan vehicle? And all at the same time, let's have all Nissan vehicles accelerate to full speed. You know, there's and, and right. that should be expected exactly. that at some point something like that might happen. Yeah, that's that's a big concern, and that that leads into the other question I had, which is, it seems like self-driving cars so far have been a haven for the legal community. <laughs> there, there's <laughs> there's so many things that can go wrong, and and the the big question is, of course. Uh, well, there's no driver to blame, so where do we go? Back to the manufacturer? What happens in those kinds of situations, and what do you see on that landscape? So there's there's also no regulation on that presently, and that's a real head-scratcher because you have several people that you can look at. Is it the vehicle manufacturer? Is it the vehicle owner who may or may not be an occupant? Uh, is it the occupant who may not be the owner? Um, it's, really, it's really a head-scratching situation, and... You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, benefits from the autonomous vehicles. I mean, a, a ton of benefits. But it's also extremely new technology. And we should expect that there's going to be some growing pains that happen with that. There's been you know, a lot of cases with Tesla, for instance, with its uh, autopilot system where there's been errors. And it's not a perfected system yet. And we're particularly, in my view, we're going to have a problem until we have either 100% compliance or near 100% compliance. So when you have a mixture of some autonomous cars, which will 100% follow the law with uh, on the same road with people that actually drive the way people really drive, and they don't do 100% what they should be doing, you're having a, a system that's, that's you know, quite frankly, a little dangerous. Um, I mean, if a car in the fast lane on the freeway is going exactly 65 miles an hour, you know, that's an impediment with the way people normally drive. Um, and so you're going to have some, some unforeseen safety issues that, um, that are also going to be uh, prevalent. And it's going to be, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, uh, there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of consternation regarding this. And you know, regulation will creep in, but it's going to be slow. Exactly. The, this transition from an emotion-based driver to a logic-based driver is going to be hell. <laughs> it's just going to, it I, just, and, I just, you know, it, it, unless if true, we could and, stop and, it today and just go right yeah. to logic, you know, to computer-based cars or self-driving cars, this, this transition is going to be tough. It is. Unless you're a lawyer. That, unless you're a lawyer. One of, the, <laughs> right, one of the problems that the self-driving cars have is the lack of judgment. You know, sometimes if you're driving, 
the best thing to do in a situation to avoid a catastrophe is making an adverse move and speeding around a situation. Manufacturers can't design a car that will knowingly break the law. They just can't do that. It'd be catastrophic if they did. So you, you're going to eliminate judgment with these vehicles, and it, that's a that's a scary situation. You're going to have some some unfortunate results because of that. Well, you know, there's there's always going to be something interesting happening in the automotive world. And uh, you can follow uh, Jonathan Michaels. Uh, watch for his next 100 articles in the L.A. Daily Journal, of course, in, in Los Angeles. But also uh, uh, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, MLG Attorneys at Law. And they offer a free consultation for any legal problem. Their website has a submission form right on it, so that's convenient. And you can get there by going to MLGA. PLC. I'll say that one more time. That's MLGAPLC.com. Jonathan, I really appreciate it. I know you're so busy today, and you're very gracious with your time and sharing some very interesting stories, and I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 